Welcome to the Wake in Wave podcast. My name is Genevieve and you are listening to our first episode on the topic of intimacy. What follows was recorded on January 3rd of 2021 in the early stage of my own awakening and as I struggled with the very concept of intimacy. In this episode, we will dive into what intimacy means in the life-altering process of self-exploration that an awakening is. To expand on the subject of intimacy, I invited Sharak Schaeffer to speak with us. Sharak is a close friend and a therapist. He has led me through the early hours of my awakening, and I am happy to share with you some of his guidance and insights on intimacy. Welcome to our first episode of the Waking Wave podcast. Today, we are addressing the topic of intimacy with Sharak Schaeffer and Luan Lee as our guest and co-host. I am Genevieve, speaking from Israel. I'm Luan, speaking from Shanghai, China. I am Shahak. Yeah, so Shahak, would you like to introduce yourself a little bit and tell us what you think intimacy is? Of course, thank you for inviting me. So I'm Shahak. I'm from Israel. I'm 44. I'm a therapist learning a lot, mainly with myself and for my occupation about self-development. And the way I would define myself today is less a therapist and more a truth seeker. How does therapist become truth seeker? It's a great question. It takes us right into our topic today about intimacy. Therapist, it's a big word, you know, and it sounds like someone is taking care of someone else and in some way or another is in responsibility and have some sort of authority. If you ask my opinion, we can do it only with ourselves by feeling and doing self-realization work and working with myself and uh, working towards the truth. Not that I expect uh, to find it or to hold it at any uh, <laughs> time. I'm actually allowing other people to also do the same. So I met you, Sharak, about five years ago during rebirthing sessions. This is how we became friends after I got a bit weird out with your energy thing. So can you speak a little bit to that and tell us how does this go to therapy and the work with intimacy? Tell us about how this whole thing linked together. All right. First of all, I, I must say that energy is, you know, if we're talking about big words, it's a huge word. And the way I see it, energy is just another way of saying everything else in this world. Now we are all built from three things, at least. The way I see it, we all have a body. We can all sense. We have senses. This is our body. Um, we all have emotions. We can feel emotions like fear, anger, sadness, happiness, and many more. And uh, we all have cognition, you know, a thought process. Now, these three things, they constitute what we call me or ourselves. And uh, the connection between these three things is uh, what we can call intimacy. Intimacy would be the quality of this connection, yeah, because these things are connected within ourselves to constitute ourselves and intimacy. So body, emotions, and cognition, thoughts, 
because we all have these three things, some of us see ourselves as more smart, more uh, cognitive people. Some of us may feel they are more uh, emotional and uh, some people are physical. We all have our uh, strengths and weaknesses. Now, what really defines what we are is probably our weakness, probably the place that we feel less confident with. You know, like a person that is used to understand everything, maybe would feel a little less certain when it comes to emotional things and vice versa, of course. And as a therapist and a truth seeker, what I'm doing is helping to find these weak places and touch them and be with them, not fix them in any way. And by that, to allow ourselves to develop. And that has a lot to do with intimacy that would be just another way of saying to create intimacy between oneself to oneself. I think Luan has something to say about that. We were talking just earlier about this concept of intimacy from oneself to oneself. Yeah, I think nowadays, especially in 21st century, a lot of the young people, including myself, would take intimacy in a very narrow perspective. For example, just being emotional and physical. That's like a lot of the people's understanding of intimacy. We see intimacy often linked to sexuality. Yes, I will speak to that. And let me even take us a step further. What you both are referring to is intimacy as a state of a connection between one person to another, which is a very interesting thing because when we in this life see anything, meet anything, it is much easier to meet it on the outside, on our relationship with the world. For example, if I have, and for the time being, let's not get into what is intimacy, we will get there. But if I have intimacy issues, I will probably find it with my relationship to another person, maybe my parents and more likely my spouse, my relationship partner. Now, this is very much true that anything we are will be reflected in our meeting of the outside world. But what intimacy really takes us towards is seeing that anything that we ever find in another person is always something that we have, that we are. For example, if I look outside and I meet someone and this person seems very sad to me, this sadness has very little to do with this person. This sadness, first and foremost, has everything to do with me. So it's very easy to go looking and it's okay. It's not that I'm saying, no, stop it. Don't feel anything towards the outside. Always look inside. No, I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that it's great that we meet things, we meet emotions, we meet issues, if you want, towards other people in the outside world, in our life. But the origin or what we can really do and learn is about ourselves. So when we are talking about intimacy as an emotional state, as an emotional or physical problem, or as Genevieve put it, a, a sexual problem, it's very much true that these are the places that we will meet our intimacy-related development. And please allow me to say just one more thing about it. We all have intimacy issues. We all came here to this life to learn. And the biggest thing we can learn 
is intimacy, is the relationship, is the connection between ourselves and ourselves, which, as I said, is reflected in our relationships throughout our lives with any other human being. Yeah, it was a very difficult concept for me. I must say, though, that you mentioned, I'm not saying go inside, but you did tell me many times over <laughs> and over during therapy, go inside. Yes, you're right. First of all, it's very different when I sit uh, in front of you and we are talking about something and then I tell you, turn inside and find it. But uh, what I really wanted to say, and thank you for, for helping me be more accurate, is that it's very much okay to meet it on the outside world, to find an issue with our sexuality or with our emotional connection to another person. It's very much okay, is what I meant. Even if I were to say, no, don't. <laughs> this is life. This is how we meet life. And then we can turn inside and meet this place and see and admit that this thing, first and foremost, exists within ourselves, within our relationship towards ourselves. And if you allow me to connect us to, to what we began with, we will find it in the relationship between our body and our uh, emotions and or between our emotions to our mind, to our cognition, we will find this pain. We will find it between ourselves to ourselves. And only then it can be or can be found in our uh, outside relationship. So it's very much okay to find it on the outside and uh, use this opportunity to turn inside and find it only in our inner realm. No one else has any responsibility or can even affect this inner relationship we have. So practical example, how do we turn it inside? We see something, we notice something that is painful and correct me if I'm wrong, because it wasn't clear for many months for me. So we find something that resonates as painful within us outside and creates whatever, anger or uncomfort, sadness, how do we turn it inside? Can you give us a practical example? Sure. You know, turning sounds a bit uh, difficult, perhaps, but I used a word earlier, just admitting is enough. Maybe stop pointing the finger outside, maybe stop blaming, you know, if you find something uh, that is troubling us or hurting us. In our relationship, let's say with our partner, then it's very easy to say, wow, this person doesn't listen to me. You know, I'm taking this example. I feel that my life partner doesn't listen to me, doesn't accept me as I am, for example. Now, this pains me a lot. This is something that is very hurtful to me. And I meet it in the outside world again and again in our relationship. And here in this opportunity, my partner didn't listen to me. And in this opportunity, he took me for granted. And in, in that opportunity, he objected to uh, something very uh, meaningful and deep for me. Turning it inside is nothing more than, okay, maybe. This thing that I uh, feel with someone else is just with me. Now, the practical thing would be to say, maybe I don't accept myself. Maybe I don't listen to me. That would seem maybe uh, a bit weird. Wow, can I even not listen to me? Of course, I can feel something physically and not allow myself to accept it with my mind or my emotions. I might feel anger. And it's very hard to accept that I am angry 
as just being angry. And then, of course, it's even more difficult to <laughs> even start thinking, maybe I'm angry at myself. Maybe I am angry at myself. It has to be true, because if I meet it in the outside world, in any relationship I have with anyone, then it's first true within myself. Okay. And you said earlier you're going to come back to what is intimacy. What do we do with it? Why do we actually need to learn to become better at intimacy? What does it mean in our day-to-day -day life? First of all, I would say we don't need to learn anything. We don't need anything. We can. It's an opportunity. It's something we can do. And uh, there is no other way to approach it. By saying we need to, we are really putting ourselves in, and I will use this as an example, we're putting ourselves in a relationship of uh, giving orders, of having constants, of being judged, because there is need and we don't do it or we do do it. It's very harsh. So this is our connection with ourselves. This is the quality of our connection. And uh, intimacy, I would say, is the quality of a connection. You can be more intimate and you can be less intimate. You cannot be not intimate with something because something you are not connected with, you will not meet, period. If you met it, if you seen it, if you felt it, then you have a connection with it. And intimacy would be the quality, the proximity of this connection and this life is all about getting to know ourselves. <laughs> Let's take this as an example. If we are into getting to know ourselves, then we would uh, also get to learn to meet really people outside of us, to get to learn about other people, about a relationship with other people. But if we are not, and we do not accept and allow ourselves to learn to keep learning forever, by the way, it's never ending. We will never be after it. We will never be above learning about ourselves, learning and developing this connection between ourselves and ourselves. Then we can expect to keep developing and learning about the quality of connection we have with others. Okay. Can I understand your answers as intimacy is a self reflecting and self-learning mirror that you can have with someone that you choose to be close with? I would say everything is a reflection to what's going inside us. And intimacy would be this quality of this reflection. If I see a reflection and I am terrified by it, which is very much okay, then this is the intimacy I have now. So I would say, yes, but this is also something very general. Everything we meet outside really originates in our relationship towards ourselves, inside us. So yes. Um, what would people become if there's no intimacy? Uh, dead. <laughs> there is no such thing, no intimacy, as long as we live here. As I said, there is a connection for everyone alive between body, mind and emotion, there has to be a connection or else we are dead. But if I understand your question, when you're saying there is poor intimacy, yeah, then we would be, first of all, very angry, but we would be in a place where we keep rejecting everything that we meet. We will keep blaming others 
for what we feel. <laughs> we won't see it as what we feel. We would say, this person made me angry. <laughs> this person made me object. This person is bad. This person and that person and that event made me angry. That event made me sad. We would never say, okay, maybe this sadness, this anger is first of all between me and myself. And uh, it would be hard to develop, but you know, this is also part of life. Don't think that I am judgmental towards this place. All of us, we have these places where we are more intimate, when we are uh, uh, more sensitive to, and places that we are less sensitive. <laughs> and uh, this is life, being in a place where we reject, where we blame, where we don't want to see the truth in ourselves. We look for it outside. And uh, slowly, slowly, life has this amazing way of being so accurate. This universe is accurate in a way that we will never encompass, never understand. And uh, it will <laughs> make us see or not. Uh, it will allow us to uh, have the endless opportunities to see that this lack of intimacy, as you put it, or being very short in intimacy, towards this emotion, towards that thought, towards that concept, towards this thing that we are sensing, we will get a lot of opportunities to see that it is actually something between ourselves and ourselves. That is the way I see it. It might sound a bit harsh. That's the only way to advance. That's the only way to develop. And again, let me just be sure to mention that, you know, there is no end to it. It's not that there is someone developed and someone not developed. It doesn't exist. We are all in development and that is something we will keep doing more happily, less happily. That's great, but it's not easy. <laughs> it never becomes easy. Don't make me fool you by <laughs> being cheerful about it. It's really hard. It's always the hardest challenge. And it's always about intimacy. It's always about meeting something hard outside and then allowing ourselves either fast, either slowly, either easy, or it being really hard to meet it, meet its origin, meet ourselves in this position, in this place. Okay. And how do we meet ourselves better? How do we become more intimate with oneself? Does it have anything to do with the body, with the mind? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think I would uh, a bit surprise you when I say, in order to do that, we will have to see that we are not alone. We will need help, not professional therapist help. I, I recommend it if you feel like it, but we will never meet these things alone. We never got these pains in the first place by ourselves. We were all born. We were all carried by our mothers. We were, for the first year of our lives, we were one with our mother. We didn't even see the separation. This is what intimacy is all about, our separation. If I put it in other words, life is about unity and separation. We all come from great unity, and I don't know, so don't take my word for it. Look for it within yourselves. But I would say that we all return in the end to some kind of unity. I don't know <laughs> when we die. As I said, don't take my word for it. But in this life, we meet separation. We meet things outside us 
as not belonging to us as things we have really uh, powerful emotion towards because we say no wow this is wrong this is bad and then we allow ourselves to really meet this place this is how we meet life this is how we meet ourselves we look for the bad we are judging we are afraid we are <laughs> separating so life is about separation and then reunification and this uh, unity that is achieved after or even because of this separation is much bigger it's much richer than this unity that we came for so my answer to your question is that we need to use other people in this uh, path of self-realization maybe let me put it in a different word we have the opportunity in this life to meet other people and to be helped and to have connection with other people so this is what i would recommend practically i would say uh, turn to this person that you love most that you feel most connected with it could be your friend it could be your mother it could be your uh, life partner it could be your kid and be open with this person you can do it on your own you can ask yourself how do i feel towards this person what what do i feel is very nice is very uh, comfortable and what don't i feel comfortable with what don't i like about this person don't be shy <laughs> it's okay and then uh, be brave enough to take this feeling or thought or concept and turn it inside to yourself and say well maybe i am judgmental like i see my friend or my wife maybe i am harsh so this is my practical uh, advice use the outside world use this life of being separate <laughs> from other people from events from the world to meet yourself to meet this place that feels that thinks that have concepts that senses and just be honest if you want with yourself and turn it uh, towards inside you and also be helped in this way you can be open to these people you can tell them this is what you feel this is how you see things never hide if you want if i'm allowed i will offer another way to understand intimacy intimacy is communication communicating something let's say in a relationship if i feel something and i don't communicate it to my partner in this relationship then this thing is stuck where is it stuck between us i feel something i don't say it let's say i feel neglected and i don't say it then this thing will keep occurring i will keep meeting it and it will remain like a thorn in our relationship by communicating by agreeing to communicate it to this other person then it becomes something in our relationship because we can talk about it we can meet it i will hear other opinions about it i will allow it maybe to change but in order to do that i must there is no other way there is no way around it i must be able to communicate it to myself i must be able to say i feel neglected and if i am brave enough and sincere enough within myself to feel this way to say that i feel this way to myself then this is the first step to be able to say it to my partner to the other person and make it a thing that we are both going through i can be then helped there are two things and one of them might be intimacy in the way you presented it could possibly be understood as turning everything that we see outside within 
could be understood also as beating ourselves up, maybe. You know, every time something is going wrong, you turn it within. It's not about blaming oneself, but how do you prevent that from happening? Every time you see anger, every time you see something disturbing and you bring it within and saying, well, am I the person being angry? You see someone as judgmental and you're turning this to you. Well, maybe this is me. It resonates to me because I am judgmental. Where is the line here? I'm assuming that the point is not to blame ourselves constantly or to beat ourselves up. Judgmentalism is very difficult. Maybe I'll say a small thing about that. To be judgmental is to be very, very powerful on the mind and very, very weak on the emotional part. Because if I am seeing something and I'm obsessing about blaming, this is another way of not allowing myself to even meet it. The verb is accepting. We can accept, we have the opportunity to accept when we meet something in the outside, we have the opportunity to accept it. This is the only thing that is development. Uh, there is no development with resisting it. Of course, resisting is a part of life and it's also a part of development because first we resist and then we resist harder <laughs> and then we keep resisting and then something will happen in this life that will help us uh, see that we are actually resisting, that we are actually judging instead of allowing, instead of accepting, instead of listening. And that's great. You know, that's part of life. I'm not judging this place. I was in this place many years and many times in my life. And I will keep finding myself in this position where I think about something and I meet it rationally rather than allowing myself to just feel it, you know, just be angry, <laughs> be angry. That's the first step. Allow, accept the feeling as it is without even needing to point it. So you're saying it's already here. When I say turn it in or right. bring it to awareness, it's already here. There is only need for acceptance. Yeah, it's here between me and myself. This is why I see it. And if I don't see it, that's also great. Accept that <laughs> or resist it if you like. But uh, uh... just l let me interrupt you with this resisting. You use this term a lot. What is resistance and how do we identify resistance. Okay, uh, resistance is very easy to identify. Resistance, as I said, is a trait of our rational part of our mind process. Now, let me say a general thing that might not be so easy to accept, but every rationality, yeah, its origin is always a feeling that we are now having a hard time to accept. So if we even find ourselves thinking about something, rejecting it, objecting towards it, judging it, whatever mental activity we find ourselves doing towards something, which is something that we will keep finding ourselves in. <laughs> and that's great. That's life. And then we have the opportunity to turn it inwards and say, okay, so what do I feel? Very easy to say, hmm, I blame, I, I judge, I see that as that, and I think that, that's great. That's great that we do it. And now let ourselves ask, what do I even feel? What do I feel? Because we don't do that. We don't ask ourselves, how do we feel? And even if we do, it's not that easy to sense it. It's very delicate. Feelings is a different intelligence than our rationality. It's something that we need to listen to, learn to listen to. Our body is a great tutor, is a great guide to learning to listen to ourselves. 
Mm, I'm glad you're getting clear. So in my line of work, I always say that our treatment to the physical, to our body, is a great entrance towards us being able to listen, to better our listening to our emotion. You work with the body. You're a therapist working with the right. body. Right. I don't work cognitionally, with the cognition, like a psychotherapist would. I don't talk about things too much. It's a part of everything. We can talk, we can feel, but what I do is allow ourselves to meet ourselves through motion and through uh, our senses, which is simpler than our emotions. In general, what I do is help someone to allow himself or herself to feel, to sense what the body is sensing right now. Of course, the first few times would be full of judgmentalism, you know, it would be full of blame, would be full of resistance, but to feel, to sense, I am now feeling a pain in my elbow. I am now feeling like my leg is really numb, whatever. This really allows something magical to happen. Allow me to use the term magical, because life is filled with magic. If you only allow ourselves to see it, to listen, and the magic is really inside us. And the way it works is this way. Once we allow and try more and more to listen to our body, what do I feel physically? Then the magic is that the body is starting to speak and we can get a lot better than at understanding the body's language. The body is always here for us. And by that, even a greater magic happens. That is that our emotions, which I said is a very different intelligence than our cognition and our rationality and our body, our emotions start to speak as well. And we have the opportunity to get better at listening, listening to our emotions without judging, because I can tell from my experience that I was a very angry person and anger was a very difficult emotion for me to even know that I am in because it would be and it would overcome me. <laughs> to even say I am angry would seem to me stupid because only stupid people are angry. You are always angry at someone else's uh, stupidity, you know. There is this saying that, that being angry is, is paying for other people's stupidity. <laughs> So you say that you were in denial of being an angry person, is that what you're saying? In denial, in resistance, in not knowing, in not accepting this as this simple fact that what I feel is anger. I didn't even know to say this is anger, this is sadness. I couldn't say, I couldn't tell the difference and I wouldn't say because the way I was brought up, again, I'm not pointing the finger. The way I was at that time was not accepting feelings whatsoever. And that is also something I, I would like to say that when we don't accept anger, that only means we don't accept feeling in general. Uh, when we don't accept any feeling, when you say, I, I accept anger, but I don't accept sadness, uh, or I'm having a hard time with blame or having a hard time with whatever emotion, even with happiness. Uh, it's not easy to be happy, you know, we take it for granted. But when we are happy, then we find very easily and very fast what's really the thing that's bugging us. <laughs> this is actually a way of resisting our emotions, being rational. And again, as I said, rationality, any rational activity always means First of all, that we are now finding a way around our feeling and being able to speak, for example, to do something in this life and to feel what's going on inside me at the same time is living. This is living. 
Living is being able to do something and at the same time feel what I'm feeling inside. Notice, which is uh, another big, big word that we can uh, use on the way. Just noticing, noticing how I feel, noticing how my rational intelligence behave right now. I'm thinking really fast. I'm thinking really uh, blameful thoughts. I'm really judgmental. I'm thinking really slowly. I feel like I can't think. Noticing how I feel physically. Just noticing is the biggest thing in this life because noticing is also accepting. We cannot accept what we don't notice. So it's what allows us to even start to accept. Just noticing that I'm angry. It's not easy. Don't think that when I'm saying that, I think, wow, that's really easy. No, that's the hardest thing to do in this life. That's our hardest challenge, the most difficult challenge. And it's within us, which ties us back to intimacy. Our being able to even accept the way we feel is a quality of our connection. And uh, it allows us to see, to feel, to notice, and to learn who we are more and more. Just noticing allows us to know ourselves better. It's the first step to accept, yes. Well, when you say step, of course, I want to ask, what's the next step? <laughs> so uh, let me <laughs> just make sure that I don't come out as I think I have this formula <laughs> for everyone and for every situation. No, I don't believe in that. It's really, really hard. It's really hard if I want something to be pointed clearly is that it's not easy. It's always a big challenge. And a part of this challenge is finding people to be helped finding people to live with, you know, to accept that we are actually in, in an actual relationship with. And each and every step of the way, there are endless steps of the way. It's very different for everyone. Some people are more emotional and less rational, and some people are more physical and less emotional, as I said before. So every step is really different. This is why as a therapist, I only work with uh, one person at a time because that's more than hard enough. And maybe I, I will say, as a therapist, my work consists of being able to be with this person. To be with this person means that when I am with this person during this therapy session or any time in this whole period of time that we are walking the path together is being with me, actually allowing myself to be with myself when I'm with this person. That's my guide, you know. I will always feel something. I will always sense something. I will always have this thought or another. And being intimate with myself, thinking, allowing myself to think this thought and noticing it, allowing myself to uh, sense this emotion and noticing it, or to feel, to sense this physical pain uh, and to notice it and to allow it. This is my work as a therapist. And that's all I do. This is allowing the person with me to do the same without words, without explanations. Of course, he has no obligation to do that. He might not even be aware of that. They usually don't, and that's great. But when I'm saying intimacy, I mean being intimate with myself when I am with this person, as I am intimate with myself right now when I talk to you. What does resistance feel like in the body? Well, we work together on it, so I'm kind of cheating, but for the sake of this recording, what does resistance feel like? How do we identify resistance in ourselves? It's really hard to identify anything. 
it's really hard. It's really challenging. It's always the most challenging thing we can do to notice how we are. But resistance is a way of rejecting whatever comes here to my table, to my plate. I feel someone else is doing something. First of all, resistance would be me pointing out, noticing things, but only in the outside, uh, feeling and, and thinking this thing does not belong to me. It belongs to him, to her, to the therapist or to anyone else in my relationship or to any person outside. This would be resistance. Resistance is first and foremost being rational, trying to understand, trying to grasp it, yeah? Uh, which is, as I said, always an escape from our current emotional state. And accepting this is starting to accept resistance and learn more and more about it. And I'm not avoiding your question. I just don't think that resistance has any one appearance. Every person meets resistance in a very different way, but it would be ab about pointing towards someone else, towards the outside, seeing it as not belonging to me and being very rational, which is usually about uh, blaming and judging. So looking outside, yeah. looking outside and blaming others, judging others always is a hint that something is going on within us. Only if you see it, never if you see it on someone else, <laughs> naturally. If you are able to notice that this is uh, something that is happening to you, whether always or a lot or right now, then you are noticing resistance and this is beautiful. If you do that, if you allow yourself to say, wow, I am blaming someone, wow, I am judging right now, this is the first step of accepting resistance, which is noticing it. It's a lot because once you notice it, at this very second, you've already, in a magical way, stopped it because you are now noticing, you are now accepting it, even if it would continue on its own right at the next second. For this second that you noticed it, you have done a lot. Okay. You can say, wow, I noticed that I just judged. That's amazing. You have done an amazing step towards accepting. Okay. So blaming? Judging is always a state of resistance. It's a state of rationality. It's a rational trait, which rationality, as I said, is always an escape from emotions. Which is resistance. We agree on that. Yeah, it's not resistance. It's not that we've captured it, but it would be a way to notice that I'm resisting. It's a trait of resistance, rationality and pointing outside. Okay, that's nice. a lot. It is, it is a lot. <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah. Um, intimacy equals communication. Uh, intimacy is noticing that I am now in resistance. This is great intimacy with ourselves, which will always lead to also better intimacy, better connection with the outside world, with life and with other people. So it reminds me that therapeutic process, psychotherapy, psychoanalysis starts with communication, speaking about ourselves, speaking about how we experience things. So the more we get out, the more we're capable of noticing. It's true, but there's also a hindrance here because in my point of view, this is why I am working with the body and not with the mind. Speaking about things and thinking about things is already uh, a problem of its own. Now, meeting things as they are is much easier to be accomplished using the body. How so? 
because the body is really here. It's really painful. My leg hurts. <laughs> it hurts for me to breathe. My head hurts. I feel it. I sense it. There is no way around it. And that's a great start to even be able to notice our senses, what our senses say, and accepting that. That's much easier than talking about things because there is no saying it too much. Any rationality is always first and foremost an escape from feeling. When we have blossoming intimacy with some people and we might have relationship or intimacy issues with other people, like being rejected, how do you balance? It's a great question, Luan. I, I want to say two things. First of all, it's not up to us to balance. We are balanced always. If we are not balanced, then we are ill and uh, dead eventually. We are all balanced in some way or another. There is endless balances between these three things, body, mind, and emotion. We are always balanced. But what you are saying is that maybe I find myself in this position where I feel a blossoming relationship with one person, but with my brother or my mother, I feel like it's always leading to argument and blame, whatever, just an example. First, I would say two difficult things. Turning inside is first noticing that this even exists. It's really hard because when we say that, we say, really, I have no problem in intimacy, but only with my mother, for example, I find this problem. So maybe it's hers, it's not mine then we notice this resistance. We notice this looking and pointing to the outside world. This is the first step to look really inside and say, okay, first of all, that's great that I have prospering and beautiful and perfect relationship with this person, but I do feel also this weakness here in this other place. This is an opportunity to learn and to see that this thing also exists in this beautiful relationship. This hard thing that I feel that I meet in this other relationship is also true to my perfect relationship. This is really hard to do because we are actually looking for ways to uh, ignore and run away from this hard relationship and stay in this beautiful relationship. But the truth is that this thorn that we found resides in ourselves and therefore it exists also in our beautiful relationship, in our prospering relationship. And the next hard step is to see that it really resides in ourselves, in our relationship towards ourselves with no relation to others. You're saying uh, to Luan's question that when one feels rejected, there is likely a notion of rejecting ourselves? Yep, we are rejecting ourselves. We are rejecting our emotions. We are rejecting our senses, our body, and or our thoughts, our understandings. Each and every one of them, all of them together, we can look for it. It's an opportunity. And it will become apparent, even if we don't. Eventually, we will find it. The pain has this beautiful way of growing until we notice it. And it will keep growing until we belong it to ourselves. Yes. Noticing actually alleviates the pain or allows the pain to be? What are we looking for with this pain? That's a great question again. And I'm not just saying that's a great question all the time. It's really great questions, in my opinion. We are talking about intimacy today. 
And pain and intimacy have a very interesting connection because when we feel pain, we want to not feel the pain. We want to take a pill, perhaps, and not feel the physical pain. And when we have an emotional pain, we will tend to find ways to look around it and ignore it. One great way is to say, wow, I have another beautiful relationship where this pain does not exist. So what I'm saying is also perhaps will be a little difficult to hear, but pain is great. Pain is a gift always, always. It doesn't diminish. That's exactly where I wanted you to go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, you know me too well. It doesn't diminish. And for us to be looking for ways to diminish pain, to minimize it or to make it go away is a great way to resist, is a great way to escape. Pain is here for us. But when we accept pain, not easy can be done if it's physical pain with breathing, with simply lying and noticing the tension that we have and loosening ourselves as much as we can. Let's say our head aches and we can do two things. We can lie down, breathe, relax as much as we can, and we can touch ourselves. Let me stress while being as relaxed as possible and while breathing deeply. And this is the physical appearance of accepting, of touching, of being connected with the pain and not because we want it to go away. By the way, wanting it to go away is also okay. If you notice it, accept it. <laughs> If that's the current state that you are in, that's great. Don't say, ah, I heard this podcast and Shachak said, accept the pain. So I'm not okay because I'm now wanting the pain to go away. No, no, don't say that. Say. That's great. I noticed that I want this pain to go away. This is, again, noticing the first step to accept. So I want to say, when we listen to you, there is this notion we are looking for pain. Why would one want to face pain so much? Because it's there. <laughs> there is no better explanation. The pain is there. This is why it's a gift. This is how it's a gift. First of all, it's here. Pain is always here and now. And when we are really far from ourselves in this state of poor intimacy with something within us, this thing about ourselves, which is the only thing we can be in intimacy with. When we are in this state, the body will always bring us this gift of pain and say, hey, you can be right here, right now, feeling this pain and nothing else. This is really hard because we really want for it to go away. We really want to do something else right now. We really want to be over it already, but this is here and now. So why would we do it? We do it because we can. Another great reason is that if we don't do it, it will only grow. But again, don't do it to keep it small so it won't grow. Do it because it's here. It's a gift. It's your body that loves you in the most perfect way you will ever feel in this life and is always in your best interest, always in your favor. And your body tells you something. It could be pain. And if we allow ourselves to notice and accept this pain, then the magic will occur then our body will find easier way to speak with us because the body doesn't want us to suffer. The body doesn't want to speak only when the end is near, when it can't hold on anymore, it can't contain, so it hurts. The body wants to speak like online right now to say, hey, notice how your right knee is hurting. You are doing something right now with a lot of stress. Maybe 
ease the stress. And as I said before, the greatest uh, way to live, the way I see it, is to be able to do while feeling, while sensing, while noticing ourselves. I completely agree for, with you today. Uh, Very easy with you. <laughs> for that very minute, I agree with you. <laughs> But again, why would you not want to learn to feel to allow the pain not to grow? Why do you keep saying, but don't do it for that reason. Don't do it because you want the pain not to grow. Why is there seem to be an issue with the intent in which you're getting into the work? Yeah. First of all, intention, it's a lot. It's not everything, but it's a lot. When I do something in order to avoid it, then I am in resistance. Let's take this example of headache. We are lying down on our bed and breathing and relaxing every part of our body and touching, just touching the hurting places. If we are doing it in order to avoid the pain, we are not listening. We are ordering. Ah. We are finding a way around. We are avoiding. We are trying to escape. If we are doing it only to feel, only to allow ourselves to be right here, right now with the pain, only to listen, then the magic will occur and the magic will be us noticing something, noticing something amazing. First of all, we can notice something physical. We can notice that, ah, wow, I thought my head was hurting, but really it's my leg. I can't believe I didn't notice it, and that's a lot. Uh, it could be emotional. Wow, I feel like I'm in real stress. I feel like I'm very sad. It would be an emotion that will come forward and, and will manifest itself, and we would notice it because we are in the noticing. We are in the accepting. We are not into the avoiding. And to complete the example, it could be a thought, an understanding, a concept that I would see and say, wow, I think of my mother all the time. It's something to do with my relationship with my mother. Sorry about the noises. It felt at some point that you entered the zoo. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sorry. We were hearing all the birds and dogs all of a sudden. We're like, wow, he's in the jungle now. I'll try, I'll try to return to the jungle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We so you were asking why would the intention make any difference? And I was taking an example of this headache that we were talking about earlier. And I said, we can do the same thing. Okay, we are doing the same thing in these two examples. We are lying down and relaxing as Shachak instructed. And then we are breathing and touching the pain. Now, if we are doing it in order for it to go away, we are actually in resistance and avoidance. We would not notice what's coming to us. But if we do it because we want just to be here, we don't want to solve anything. We just want to listen because our body is talking. <laughs> Clearly, we have a pain. <laughs> There's no louder physical talking than that. So if we are listening, if we are in the listening, if we are in the noticing, then we will soon enough hear, we will soon enough notice something from one of our intelligences. Either physically, we will notice that our leg is actually really in greater pain than our head, and we didn't notice it before. Now we can touch it, or we will notice something emotional. We'll say, wow, I'm really angry. Wow, I'm really stressed. Wow, I'm really sad. Or we would notice something in our brain activity, like, wow, I'm really obsessing about my mother. <laughs> I'm really thinking about my mother, which is always a great example. <laughs> it is. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Yes. So let me just throw this here to make it maybe a little clearer because throughout the whole first part of my life, 
I would hear in what's been said right now that I need to change my intent. But how do I change my intent? And I want to mm. say that the work we've been doing together in the first part of the therapy was really about movement. And I didn't really see the benefit in real time every time. But I do realize today that there was a way in this movement activity to actually get away from my mind, to actually step outside right. of the activity right. of the mind. And I think if right. you would just speak a little bit to that, that would be really helpful because I'm trying to take the interviews as me just last year with no understanding at all and really a lot of frustration from what it is that those people understand that I don't. The last sentence would say a lot because no one understands anything. You are taking me to this extreme place, but I will bite the bait here. Uh, no one, no one, <laughs> especially me. I'm aware that I don't know anything. No one knows anything. There can be no real knowing. We can pretend we know something <laughs> and uh, God knows we do. And that's okay, by the way. I also pretend at times and then I find myself. Then I notice that this is what's occurring at this uh, moment. And then I, I have the opportunity to say, hmm, what am I running away from right now <laughs> when I pretend in myself that I know? Let me just uh, not sound too spiritual here. In this world we live in, there are rules. Let's take an example. You can be in court because you, you broke some laws. So the life that we live in as a society has a lot to do with right, wrong, true, false, with knowing. There is even this, this saying that uh, the law doesn't abide you for not knowing it. That's really okay. I'm not saying let's change this state of affairs. No, but when we are talking about advance, about really living, about ourselves towards ourselves, only inside us, there is no knowing. We do not know anything. Uh, no one does. <laughs> so what we can do is notice. We do sense, we do feel, we do think. These are all activities that we can agree that they all exist. But to know something is to hold it, is to say that something in this life can be permanent. And there is nothing permanent, nothing permanent in this life. So none of us know anything. And what you were saying, Genevieve, about the body work, the motion, the movement, helping you escape this prison of the mind is very much true in how you felt it. It's a great way of describing what we were doing and the, the way I practice therapy works. Body is really here. When you move your arm, you don't need, you can't think about it. And if you try, you will not be able to move your arm. So it does help you get out of your mind. And many of us, including myself, and this does not end. I still, and I expect I will, keep finding places where I am in my mind, where I pretend I know. And that's great because this is noticing. When I notice that, I can do something about it. It's not even that I need to do, but I can. I can breathe. I can allow physically, which as I said before, is just about lying down, relaxing every muscle we have and keep doing that, keep finding places that are tense and relaxing them and breathing fully as fully as possible. 
This is the physical uh, activity that comes with acceptance. And if we do that while noticing what comes up from our body or from our mind or from our emotion, just noticing, then we are in this state of listening, learning about ourselves and accepting, which is great, which is really helping us overcome these barriers that we do have. <laughs> All of us, we have these places that we are underdeveloped in and around them, there are places where we are overdeveloped. For example, if we are underdeveloped emotionally and now talking in general, or we are underdeveloped in accepting our own feelings, then we will be overdeveloped in being rational, being very smart, knowing uh, it really ties us to the beginning of the conversation when I was talking about seeking the truth. Wow, it sounds amazing. It must be really pleasant and possible also. So it's really impossible, especially because we cannot hold anything. We cannot hold, we cannot know, most of all, we cannot know the truth, but we can sense it at times, uh, we can live it, we can notice it for a second and then it will change. Once you notice something and it's true, at this very second you notice it, it became wrong. <laughs> so the best way to help change occur and change occurs of its own. The best way to help it is to notice what's really true right now and immediately it has to change because we cannot know, we cannot touch the truth. It, it immediately changes and that's amazing. Sharak, I want to thank you so much for the work that we've done together, a lot of work and not always a pleasant work. It's not about finding the truth that much, but about being on, on a path where we only accept the truth. And there is something extremely fulfilling in that. And I want to thank you for that. I, I thank you for allowing me uh, the opportunity to get to know you, to get to know myself with you and to work with you. It has helped me a lot. Uh, as a therapist, I can say this is my only guide, if whether I have been helped <laughs> by the session or not. And thank you also for inviting me to this podcast. It has been an honor. We hope that you will be more than just a guest uh, here and there, but just throwing this. Yay! <laughs> Whenever you like, I, I'm yours. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah, it's great, Shahak, you know, being here with us to know you better and also to learn from you. It was really fun and deep today. I would like to uh, continue in the future episode. <laughs> it, it will be my honor. Okay, so we'll meet you next week, Sharak. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It was a really, really great session. Thank you very much. We'll speak. We'll speak very soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you.